0: What's up, everybody? It's Mike Bibby with Thomas Scott on Buckets and Breakdowns, brought to you by Ballers Life.
1: I'm Coach Thomas Scott, and if you're listening or watching this podcast, it means one thing. You want to learn how to get buckets from the best in the world. This is the Hoopers podcast. This is Buckets and Breakdowns. Yes, sir. We got Mike Bibby in the building.
0: What's going on, Thomas?
1: Hey, man. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for spending some time to break no down problem. some buckets. Uh, you know, I grew up a, a big fan. We got so many ties. And, you know, I, 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 I admire your career and your accomplishments. And so, you know, I want to shed light on that, man, and give you your flowers and also, you know. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. You, you got a lot that you brought to the league and certainly a lot of things that young players have and can learn from. So, um, I man, let's, it. let's get right back right into it, man. Let's talk about where you come from, Arizona, man. What was that basketball scene like? Uh, the,
0: it was, I mean, it was tough cause you know, a lot of people didn't really give credit to us guys out here, you know, it was either New York, California or Texas. So, you know, we had to work a little bit harder out here. It's very few, um, People since me that has made it to the league, you know, a little bit after me, you know, I kind of brought up, you know, play with the same AAU team and stuff like that. But it was tough playing here because, you know, there was like one or two AAU teams that you play on, you know, and um, it, it wasn't as many as there is now today for sure. But um, we had to go make our mark. You know, we went we went on the uh, Las Vegas trips and went to California's, you know, we beat the Slammin' Jams, we beat the K-Swiss. Those were the, those were the California teams back then, the Slammin' Jams and Case swiss um, so, you know, you just had to go there and, and show what we could do. And people realized that, you know, there is some ballers out
1: in Arizona. Yeah, man. Were, were there some certain players in particular that you remember that you had to go head-to-head against? Um,
0: There was a PTI team. We played against Shea Cotton, Illusion Ooh. Man, Kenny Bruner, um, Jason Hart. I mean, they had, they had a lot of guys out there, you know, that were, were like – that we used to go against all the time, playing the championships all the time. You know, uh, Shea Cotton, the man child, you know, Kenny Bruner, you know, high school, I forget where where he went to college at. Um, Jason Hart played with me in Sacramento, um, NBA player. So, I mean, there was a whole bunch of teams. I mean, the team from Calvary, that was the best team in California, obviously. And, you know, we always went against them. You know, I don't don't think we ever beat them. But, uh, you know, we really didn't have much to go against a, a, a team like that, you know, have a lot of D one players and stuff like that. But um, I mean, you, I mean, all the way up through high school, you know, went to the McDonald's game, the Nike all American camp um, mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. It was just a, it was just a great thing for me to push. I never looked at myself like that. I always, you know, I got my first letter at eighth grade and I was just happy to get letters, you know, uh, George McLeod, Uh, John either John McLeod or George McLeod used to coach Notre Dame Iris. I think he might have coached in the NBA, too, as well. But um, I always just think, like, you know, like, dang, these schools want me. You know what I mean? And that's the way I always thought. I I was always humble. And, you know, know, growing up in high school, you just want to have fun and play with your friends and play basketball at the park and stuff like that. So I really never really put the extra work in um, until I got to college. And, you know, that's when I really decided, like, You know i'm not gonna let nothing stop me from getting where i need to be the only thing that's gonna stop me is me and i'm not gonna let that happen so
1: you know coming up as a prep you obviously had your dad who played pro he also was a coach what kind of fundamentals did he instill in you early on that helped prepare for your the rest of your career no there was nothing
0: really that he taught me um you know a lot of time he was gone you know what Mm -hmm. i mean so you know he coached in puerto rico and. Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma City, Tulsa. I mean, so he was around doing coaching stuff. So I really kind of grew up without him, you mm. know, as far as, you know, my high school, middle school, high school days. It was kind of just me, my mom, my brothers, and my sister. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I, it was just, I don't know. I mean, I just, I think I was just smart basketball wise. And it just came naturally just to make guys try to feel, be better. You know, I played with a lot of guys, I played with a lot of, basketball growing up and my teams were never that good and Mm. growing up you know i think i have have a video when i was like in maybe fourth grade fifth grade i'm the tallest guy in the court my number was 53 (laughs) but i'm bringing the ball up the court you know what i mean so i'm the point guard and tallest guy in the court but i also had to guard the biggest guy on the other end so you know it just i grew a lot quicker than uh a lot of other kids uh i thought i was going to keep growing the doctor said i was supposed to be six five I stopped, but, um, it was just situations like that. I just think that I had the natural smarts and saw stuff, you know, that other people didn't see.
1: Right. So you mentioned, you know, you play all American, but you were also Mr. Basketball in 96, correct? Like, uh, for Arizona, for yeah, Arizona, we
0: played with, we played, I played with Kobe, uh, Jermaine O'Neal, um, Tim Thomas. Ronnie Field, all these guys, Steve Jackson, all these guys were in '96. I think we had one of the best high school classes. I think coming out, you know. So I mean, if you, uh, Kobe Bryant got USA Today Player of the Year. I got uh, Player of the Year for Arizona, Gatorade Player of the Year, Arizona.
1: Man, that 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 was, in my opinion, the best class ever. '96. I mean, you can't top that.
0: Yeah, I think, I think we, have a lot of, we have a lot of pros to
1: come out of there, especially,
0: especially go D1 and do, and do some damage in D1 as well. So, the,
1: you, you were in college, though, in Arizona. Uh-huh. You had something going on that I've never seen before. You had the pennies before <laughs> Penny had them. How were you able to get the pennies before Penny even had them? I don't think I got him before he did. I just wore him before. I wore
0: him before they before he did.
1: How Uh, does that?
0: What? I mean, we were we uh, you know, Pac-12 school. You know, you get a lot of perks that a lot of school other schools don't get. And um, I remember the Nike guy coming to us and um, just talking about the shoe. You know, because back then you wore there's not there wasn't a lot of colored shoes that you wore you know, a lot, of, a lot of the cool thing back then was he wears shoes that match your uniform. And when he came in, he's like, hey, I got a shoe. It doesn't match your guys' uniforms, but they're not out yet either. So if you guys want to wear them, I'm going to give everybody on the team a pair. If you guys want to wear them, wear them. And I said, I don't care what the color they are. I don't care how heavy they are. I don't care how slippery they are. I was going to wear them just to not make a statement, just to i've never been in a situation like that to where i have a shoe that hasn't hit the market yet you know i mean i think that was the biggest thing for me to where i'm gonna wear a shoe that nobody's seen before and, and it's gonna cause a lot of gonna stuff you know i think it made penny mad i don't know if he i don't know I, he couldn't be mad at us you know we were college kids but um, he might have got mad at the nike people or whatever you know just letting us wear it before he had a chance to
1: that's crazy but let's talk, let's stay with Arizona, man. Talk about those years making that transition from, from a high school phenom to college, fitting in and doing the damage you were able to do. It was, I mean, I think Coach Olsen
0: and, and Bobby were a big part of that. They, like Coach Olsen let, let you play to your strengths. You know, there are a lot of coaches these days, you know, you make one mistake and now you can't make another mistake and you're coming out the game. And a lot of kids, I mean, you shouldn't have to play like that. And he let us play. Nobody whether you make mistakes, you, you play how you want to play, play to your strengths. A lot of coaches don't let you do that. And I think that's what opened everything up. The, the thing that, I mean, the guys brought me in. We had a great core. We had a great team. Everybody was great, you know, being being on the Arizona team. And um, the thing that opened my eyes was when we were in the tournament, Coach Olson, you know, had a meeting and told me, you know, Mike, I need you to be aggressive. I need you to play basketball and be aggressive. Don't worry about stepping on toes. Don't worry about that. And, and that opened everything up for me to where I felt comfortable. Like, okay, coach is saying this in front of everybody. I could go out there and and do what I got to do. And that's opened everything up for me in the tournament. I just started to excel.
1: Yeah. So you guys won that national championship. That's crazy. That That's the odds of doing that and winning. That, I mean, it's insane. It.
0: It was good we got hot at the right time. We be three number ones. I think we're the only team to um, ever be three number ones in the tournament. But um, we got hot at the right time. You know, I think we we're like the fourth or fifth seed coming out of the Pac 12, like fifth place or sorry, Pac 10, fifth place and you know, we got number, we got lucky and got a number 4 seed. So I mean I think that helped a lot too being in the number 4 seed and and being able to take the route we have. I mean we had a tough road. We played Providence, we played Kansas. We played North Carolina. Um, you know, all to get there. We had two tough scares in the first um, first two sessions of College of Charleston and South Alabama. I think we are both down. We're down at halftime in both those games, but we were down one part of the game. But I mean, we got past those two games and realized, you know, we gotta we gotta turn it on. We got hot at the right time. Everybody got hot. Yeah. In a one game, in a one game tournament like that, Thomas, you, it, you gotta got You gotta get hot at the right time. Yeah, I mean, you could win. You could go thirty two and zero. I think Kansas was like thirty four and zero when they played us, and we, they're only lost. So I mean, it doesn't matter what you do during the season. You just gotta get hot at the right time.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and be healthy, right? <laughs> yes, for sure. Absolutely, for sure. Um, so going from college, how did you know you were ready for the pros? And that whole process, college in between getting drafted uh, to the NBA. Um, I was 18. I just turned 19 in the summer. I knew
0: I wasn't ready. You know, mm-hmm. I was still a young kid. Um, wasn't physically ready. Wasn't mentally ready um, to take that grind yet. And I decided to come back. You know, a lot of people were telling me to come out for the draft. You need to come out. You need to come out. And I knew I wasn't ready. And, you know, I just told myself, you know, go do one more year, do good year, have, do what you got to do and things will take care of itself. So after I did my sophomore year, I knew I was ready to come out just for the, just for the accolades and stuff that I got. And um, I got Pac-10 player of the year that year, um, all American, all American preseason. So, I mean, I knew going in, we lost in the Elite eight, but I knew I had nothing else to prove at that level.
1: I knew it was time for me to go. That's awesome. So, you get a chance to get drafted. You shake the commissioner's hand. You go to Memphis. Talk about that—that that whole experience. Vancouver. Oh, Vancouver. Vancouver. I'm sorry, it was Vancouver it first. It was Vancouver then. How could I forget? Yeah. Me of all it was people. Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, so
0: you go to Vancouver. It, it, it was. Van- it was. It was tough, you know. Um, you know, I'm a, I just turned. I think I just turned 20 years old. Probably like a month before that, man. You know, I'm a mama's boy. I like to be around my family. I like to have people with me. Um, I just had my son in college, so you know I got a newborn. Um, going there at 19 years old, 20 years old, as a kid, you dream of playing for the Suns, your home team, or the Lakers, or the Bulls, or the Knicks, or something like that. And you know it was always. I mean, I was I was grateful and humble to be chosen there, but. It was something somewhere I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go out of the country. And you know, I sat down with the GM and the head coach at the time. And I told him, I said, you know, I don't I don't wanna play here. Mm. And you know, they looked at me like, well, I mean, if you're if you don't go number one, we're gonna take take you at two at whatever and you're the best player available, we're gonna take you at two. And you know, I mean I didn't wanna you know, you see him as Francis, and I didn't want to do that. But mm-hmm. uh, it was just—I mean, I, like I said—I was humbled and glad to be there. And you know, I'm a professional. I made the best of the situation I could. And mm-hmm. it, it was just a hard. It was just a hard. T- it was a hard take. But I think I, you get in situations for the long run. And mm-hmm. and the funny thing is, you know, I played there three years in Vancouver, and the year they moved. They traded me, so they traded me to Sacramento. From they moved to Memphis after that. So the the uh, the story okay. was that Michael Heisley, rest in peace. He he came to me and was like, "Mike, we're gonna you know we're gonna tr- we went, we're we're gonna rebuild. We're gonna trade you. Um, is there any teams that you're looking to go to so we could try to put you in? You know, I've been traded three or four or five times, or three or four times, three mm-hmm. times, but no GM or owner has ever came to me and said that and you know i respected that and he came to me he's like hey what team what's the top five teams you want you would like to play for and you know i ran out of my five teams i forget what i said i said the Suns. i know i said the Suns because i play here i live mm-hmm. here um mm-hmm. i said sacramento i think i said the pacers um maybe with lakers you know what i mean so i i said and then he's like well what's the number one team you want to play for like what's the number one team you would like to go to and I said, "I like to play for Sacramento Kings. oh wow and, and he he came back like a week or two later on draft night they traded me and it was because the reason I wanted to go there is because I remember we you know we'd have probably six thousand people out a game in Vancouver, seven thousand people, and you know when you go when you play these other teams that aren't that good not many people go to the games when you're out of state mm-hmm. and I remember going to Sacramento. And last game of the season, we're not playing for anything. There's about 16, 17, 18,000 people in the stands. Yep. And it just it just made you feel good to like, like people want to watch you. People want to, I know they weren't there to see us. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it was just a good situation. I, w- I wanted to be in an environment like that to where you have fans like that. And fans get you over the humps a lot of times and stuff like that. I wanted to be in that situation. And I mean, going there—it was. I mean, it was like—I mean, I still have friends from both teams, but going there, being traded for Jason Williams, I didn't know how they accept me. You know, Jason Williams, fan favorite, um, teammate, one of the favorite teammates, and going there—I mean, just from being there, those guys, I respect what those guys did because they made me feel like I had played there my whole career from just right. being there, and I didn't know how they how they accept me. And that just made it so comfortable for me to be in that situation. There was no assholes on the team. There was everybody understood, you know, Chris Webber was the alpha dog. Everybody else fall in the line. And everybody played their role and did did what they had to do to win games. And, you know, I love that.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, I love that Sacramento crowd. That fan base, it's amazing. You know, one of my favorite yes. crowds in the NBA. I spent some time in SAC. Matter of fact, yeah. I just missed you. I graduated high school out there, and okay. you came in that following year. So okay uh, what yeah, high school did you go to? I went to Granite Bay High School. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. It was a really good football team. It was yeah. a brand new school. But uh C webb and those guys showed me a lot of support, Pagia. You know, those are great guys, okay. Vladay, all those dudes, yeah. man. Unbelievable great dudes. Guy. So, you great know, guy. getting the chance to play with C-Web. He was one of my favorite power forwards, very unselfish, but could, could dominate when needed. You know, talk about playing with a guy like C-Web.
0: I mean, it's just kind of like a cheat code, kind of. You know, what I mean, he he I mean, I remember the first a few times in practice, I'm running through, I cut through, and Coach Curiel tells me. Mike, you better turn around. The ball's going to hit you in the head. You know what I mean? So I was like, damn. So, you know, I wasn't used to that. You know, so I had to get used to the way the Blotty and, and Webb passed. And, you know, I think Webb is probably one of the best top three big men passers of all time. I and, agree. And mid-range jumper, he had the knockdown mid-range shot. I mean, and he, he'll take you inside. He's tough. He doesn't back down from anything. And, I mean, it was just a... It was just a great situation to play with a guy like that, to where he gave—he knew he was the alpha dog too, but he had faith in everybody else that was on the team, and I think that's what made it so good.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely uh, one of my favorite teams to watch. It was, what, you—who would you guys have at the two? Uh, Doug Christie, Pavel Skakovich,
0: Hedo Turkoglu, Vladdy, Bobby yes. Jackson, BJ Wallace. Yeah, team Cleese. I mean, it, you could go all the way down. We 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 had a good we had a good set of guys.
1: Man, what were those practices like, man? Because the guys you mentioned off the bench, man, ain't no slouches.
0: It was good. I mean, we we always we always battle, always. And I mean, like I said, that I think that's what made it so good too. Our second group was just as good as a lot of starting starting fives. So I mean, I think that gave us the best the best thing every day, best team to go against every day.
1: Mm-hmm. The bench mob. I remember they yep. called him the bench right mob. Everybody.
0: Scott Pollard. Scott. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we. I mean, I'm trying to remember everybody. Okay, I got uh, Bobby Jackson. We had Funderburg. We had Lawrence.
1: Yeah. We, I mean, let me tell I mean, you, those guys showed me so much love when I, when my, my dad was an assistant there. Uh-huh. They showed me so much love, man. I miss those guys, man. Yeah, I mean, they're
0: they're a great set of guys. Like I said, the way they treated me is like. I didn't know what to expect coming in. Like I said, from a favorite teammate and a favorite fan favorite. I mean, the fans took, you know, took great to me. The team took great to me. That was probably one of the best times I had in my career. You know, a lot of my kids grew up there. Um, three of my kids grew up there. But I mean, it was just good to be a part of our stuff. Friends that I talked to from Sacramento to this day. And you know, I mean, it's just a, it was a good situation. Like I said, I think I got put in that Vancouver situation. To go to Sacramento, mm. so I think like everything happens for a reason. I think that's the reason why I was there.
1: Hey man, I mean this is a little off subject, but uh, you still have a crazy Jordan collection right now. Stupid mm. retarded, I, and I want to know how did that come out to be because not everybody could get in that team Jordan uh, shoe brand. You
0: know what? Um, I think they had the they had the first original five there: Ray Allen, Mike Michael Finley, Eddie Jones. Derek Anderson and Ben Baker, so they had him for like one year, I think. And then, as a rookie coming in, I had the same agent as Michael Jordan, so I had, my agent was David Falk, still mm. is David Falk, and he uh, he was like, "Would you wanna you wanna wear Brian Jordan? You wanna wear Jordan?" I said, "Hell yeah!" And <laughs> I mean, it, it was it was it was over from there. You know, I got it from my rookie year. You know, I still have it to this day. Um, they still take care of me. They still taking get boxes every month and now it's a great situation to be in. you know everybody wants jordan shoes It's something i never you know i didn't really have much of growing up mm-hmm. and you know just to have it unlimited stuff like that <laughs> and get the stuff before it comes out the biggest thing of me is for getting the stuff that comes out before the before the stores so Damn. you can go out there and show you know people what's coming out and stuff like that that was the greatest situation for me and i've always saved my shoes up you know i've always you know i was i got it i got my in my house i got two closets um it was supposed to be one that when they built the house they didn't build it big enough for one to so i had to turn a garage into a closet But oh my um, goodness but i mean I, I i've saved a lot of shoes ever since i ever since i've been playing
1: yeah man what, what's your favorite pair man which which should go to
0: um i like the 11s you can't you can't go wrong with the 11s um mm-hmm. Uh, I like the fives, the thirteens. I mean, you could go all the way down the line, but Absolutely. I think if I was to, to, to like, go in my closet, I like blacks. So I like the cap and gown um, black, so everything's blacked out, the 11s. You know, mm-hmm. you just go good with the patent leather, white and black ones that he
1: wore in the games. But I think I'm going to have to go with the 11s. Okay, okay. So... You know, I want to talk about your game a little bit, man. Because from what I remember, you were extremely efficient with the basketball, and very uh, efficient with with your shot selection and shot making, especially from deep, pick and roll reads. Uh, how were you able to develop that? But you know, I'll just start by one by one. How are you able to, to knock down shots the way you were able to in your career?
0: I put a lot of work in, Thomas. I I spent hours in the gym, hours. I'd make 750 shots a day. Um, and I'd have to go to a gym where the court was being used, you know? So it would take me about four or five hours to get that done. Mm. And so, you know, once I told myself, Y'all get, you get a lot of money, build a gym in your house. So now you can shoot at home where you don't have to wait for anybody. And then I'll finish about an hour and a half, two hours, those shots. So, you know, I, I, I put enough work in that when I got out there on the court, it was second nature. I've done this before. I've done this a lot of times before. So when I got in the game, I expected to make every shot I took because I'd done it so many times. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I tell these young kids today, oh, I could outshoot you. I said, I've been shooting longer than you've been alive. So that you can't say, you know, I've been doing it for that long. So I just I put the hard I put the effort in, I put the hard work in. And you know, I I like I had the most confidence in myself. Give me the ball, I'll shoot it. It's either gonna go in or you're gonna miss. There's only two things you could do. You know, so I always thought it was going to go in.
1: Right, man. And, and because you have that type of shooting ability, it, it limits people from going under the screen and pick and roll. So talk about that advantage of being able to shoot the pick and roll, but also your reads and what you're looking for in pick and roll.
0: Um, my biggest thing was I take my time. You know, you see a lot of kids, they, you know, I've taught a lot of, you know, G League pro kids and stuff like that. Everybody wants to move so fast, but you will you can't read what the defender's doing if you're going 100 miles per hour. So if you ever watch any of my things, I'm always taking my time. I'm going at my speed, um, taking my time to where I can see, which I come off a of pick and roll. Now I can see that you're going under. Now I can pop back the shot. I see you trailing me. Now I can make a play at the basket. So the, the main thing was me, I take my time. Um, don't let nobody speed me up. And, you know, defense is hard to play. And I always, You always got to react to what I'm doing. So I always knew what I had to do. I had secondary moves, third moves. So if you
1: stop me here, I know what I do next. Uh, so when when would you say is the right time to drop the ball to a big man in pick and roll? Um,
0: uh, you set a good screen. I put pressure on the big man. The big man's gonna have to make a decision. He's either gonna come to me. If you set a good screen, the guard's always gonna mostly come back to the guard. So the big's going to have to take me. If he doesn't take me, I either got a shot or a layup. He has to take me. I put pressure on him. That leaves the big, that leaves the big open.
1: Yeah, see? If you can explain it very easy, it must have came <laughs> to you easy. <even. laughs> yeah, it was good. I, mean,
0: just, I always say you set a good screen. I, like Towards my later years, I used to set good screens because I knew if I set good screens, I'm going to be able to get the shot. So people don't understand. A lot of people get out there and don't really set a screen, but you're not going to be able to pass the ball to them if you don't have the advantage. So Absolutely. I was telling set a good screen to where now your man has the guard me that's going to leave you wide open.
1: So I remember during this time, obviously there was that trade, you and Jason Williams. And you guys go at it. Was there anybody else or anybody in the league that brought the best out of you matchup-wise that used to look forward to going up against?
0: It didn't, it didn't really matter to me. I just loved... Going against, I mean, in the West, you're gonna you're going against top players every night.
1: Mm -hmm. You know
0: what I mean? Mar uh, Marbury was out there. Steve Nash, Tony Parker, Chris Paul. I mean, you go all the way down the line. You never there was never really a night off. I mean, Mm -hmm. you might have one or two nights off, but there wasn't that many. Uh, The person that gave me the most problems, I think, was Stephon Marbury. Mm. You know, I hated I hated Gardner. Because I mean he was strong. He was quick. He was fast. He could athletic. Uh he's strong. He'll he's gonna get 30 shots. You know what I mean? So you you're gonna have your work cut out For you, A lot of point guards back then, you know, was getting 10, 12 shots a game. You could deal with that. But when the when the guard's coming out there and have thirty shots and taking the most shots on the team, you gotta work on both ends. And you know, I hated I hated guarding him. Hate
1: <laughs> right, right. So is is there anything that you had to learn on your path where of how you were being scouted how did you deal with being scouted and making adjustments
0: you just gotta make it you gotta adjust to it you know i mean you know my biggest thing was they'd always try to make me use the screen i like to reject the screen because you find a lot of dummies that try to beat you over the screen and Mm -hmm. the thing is i had a a pretty good hang dribble to where i hang my thing i used to hop a lot I used to hop so I could change directions a little quick. You don't know which, which way I'm going to go. So I hopped a lot. But, I mean, you just adjust it. You see, you see how they're playing. You can see it. they're calling in the game. Send them down. Send them down. So, I mean, it's easy to adjust some of the stuff that they're doing. And a lot of these guys, you know, I let the game come to me a lot of the time, too. I take what they give me and, and go from there. A lot of these guys come out here and try to, you know, a lot of high schools, I got to score right from the start. Point as point guard wise. I always tell my point guards, make the plays first, because after you start making those plays, the defense there isn't going to be as much help as there was at the beginning. You know, you, you get my, my point guards on my team, my guards in high school, that I coached were our better players, and they'd always try to get double team and try to take two or three people on, and I said, make those plays, and, and to where they have to, they have to respect those guys as well. Now that's going to open up the court for you. You play the whole game, you know. It isn't like you come down, you're, you're gonna get your points. You know, he <laughs> said, just to make the right plays, and, and things will take care of itself.
1: Man, I wish I could have played for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm very easy I play the game. I'm not gonna, like I said, even if you like, if you came to my team, and you couldn't shoot. I'm not gonna tell you. I, I mean, I've heard coaches from my son, from from kids that come in, that if you can't shoot, don't take that shot. What I mean, what what? How can you tell that to a kid? You know, mm-hmm. I, I even if you can't shoot and I see you in the gym working on your shot, take whatever shot you like. If you feel like you take it, be comfortable with just plays. But I, I need everybody to help defensively and everybody moving on the string defensively and, and be ready to anticipate that next pass. I don't care what you do on offense, just be unselfish and play together. Defensively, I, I put a lot of work in on the defensive end to where everybody moves at the same time. He goes to help. This person needs to be over to help this person. This person has to be able to help that person. So I've tied mm. that in a lot to where, you know, we were doing defensive rotations every day all season, no matter when it was during the season. And, you know, a lot of high school kids don't see that, get trapped. And now that next pass that is usually open isn't open because our guy is already there taking it away. Mm. And, you know, I mean, I, I treated these guys like a to get ready for that next level. You know, I probably put – probably – 30, 30 high school kids into Division One, mm-hmm. just you know, football, basketball, whatever they're playing, and um, just to get them ready for the next level and um, put them in situations to where you know how many times I've heard Coach Mike, we're doing that same thing that you taught us. I said, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching you guys the right things. You guys think I'm harping on you guys, but I'm really not. You know, I'm just mm-hmm. trying to get them ready because I've seen everything that they're going to see or they want to
1: do. Man, that's awesome. I mean, I remember your your high school, uh, coaching days, and I think you're still doing it now, right? But no, I
0: don't I mean, coach in high school anymore. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get in the NBA. You know, what I mean, mm-hmm. uh, waiting for somebody to give me a chance. You know, I done the, I did the NBA combine this past summer, a couple months ago. So I got to coaching that. Um, did the G League bubble, so you know, I'm working my way up, and you know, I I think somebody as soon as a team gives me a chance. They're gonna be really happy with the people that gave me a chance. You know, I, I work my I work my ass off. Um, I want to get the kids better. I care. I I really care about the kids. I want to see the kids do good. You know, on and off the court. I want to make them better men. I want to have them respect women. I mean, everything. I want to teach them everything that a father figure would kind of teach them. And I think once a team gives me a
1: chance and they see that, it's gonna it's gonna take off. Well, you certainly don't lack the accolades. You, you're great with working with young players, and every year the NBA is getting younger and younger. So, yes, with your IQ and your experience, I mean, it's just a matter of time, you know. You'll see once,
0: once somebody gives me a chance, Thomas, I'm gonna go all out. You're gonna see
1: absolutely, absolutely, and you're gonna see that
0: team jump from wherever they're at and
1: go up. And, and really, basketball right now, as far as point guard play. It really mo- models the way that you play, being able to shoot from distance, make plays, and pick and roll, but manipulate you, but you, the
0: big. But you have to be taught. You have to be taught certain things. Everybody goes hundred miles per hour. You mm-hmm. can't make any reads going that fast. And you know, I'm just trying to teach these kids slow down. Go pace. at your pace. Change the speed. My biggest thing was change the speed. You know, what I mean, I wasn't the fastest, but I could change speed good. I could get to wherever I want on the court because I changed speeds. Mm. So I mean once these kids, you know, once these kids learn to change speeds and but you have to be taught it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? No one's teaching it.
1: Absolutely. I want to teach it. <laughs> How many state championships do you have?
0: Um, I think we're six out of seven. And I mean we are the only we're the only public school to go to Geico national tournament. I think we, we went we're only team we went twice. Mm-hmm. With nobody over six five, so we end up, our first year. We end up playing Mount Verde. They got R.J. Barrett. Um, I, I can't remember if they had any other pros on there. The next year we end up playing um, Scotty Barnes and Vernon Carey's high school. Mm-hmm. Remember, Scotty Barnes six eight, Vernon Carey's about six nine, six ten. We don't have nobody over six five.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we're we lost to them by ten, I think. You know what I mean? So we held our own, a lot of guard play, but um, they sat our best player out that game too, one of the, that game. Like the the, the AIA here, um, like they run the all the referees and all that stuff. They run the high school stuff out here. Kicked him out of the last game of the season. We're up 40. They kicked him out of the season. knowing we're going to Geico, now he can't play.
1: Mm. But you know what? It seems like your guys were well coached, either way. They were.
0: I mean, and they respected <laughs> the grind. You know, what I mean, I was I was tough on them. Um, we, I mean, we did college stuff. We had we had shoot arounds. We had we watched film. We had study hall. If your grades were bad, you got to be in study hall. Get your work done. Make up work. All that stuff. So I made sure these guys. you know we looked out for the SAT. Make sure you guys. Get your SAT stuff done. Get signed up for it so you can get into college. You know, a lot of a lot of high schools don't even set these kids up for that. Mm-hmm. You know, so we are preparing for the next level to where when you get to that spot, it's the same thing you did in high
1: school. You know. Hmm. So when you left the Kings, where did you end up going?
0: I got traded to Atlanta.
1: Uh
0: So you know, the funny part is too. Um, I was supposed to get traded to the Lakers. I had talked to Kobe, um, but I think the Maloofs ended up not wanting me to trade me to the Lakers. So, I didn't end up going there. So, that, that trade fell through.
1: Do you remember who was involved in that trade you were supposed to be in against the Lakers or with the Lakers?
0: No, I don't. They never told me who was involved. It was just um, – it was it, it could have happened. You know, um, I had talked to Kobe on the on the phone. And, you know, he was try- he was kind of pushing for it, you know, to try to make it happen. And it just, mm. I mean, it fell through. It ended up not going. And then, um, Cleveland came as a talk and, you know, I was playing my last game. I thought it was the last game in Sacramento. It was the last day, you know, by 12 o'clock, you should be traded. And, um, and then I go, I'm walking down the aisle and they're like dead man walking. You know what I mean? So I was like, I was like, Damn. So, I had to end up playing the game that night. You know, I didn't expect to play because they're like, we don't think you, we're going to probably trade you, so we don't expect you to play. i to end up playing the rest of that season and then uh, played a half a season in Sacramento. And I was supposed to go to Cleveland again. And I got a call. I mean, my son came and woke me up out of a nap and was like, Dad, Dad, you just got traded. I'm like, To where? <laughs> to Atlanta. I was like, dang. <laughs> you know I mean? There was losing record. It wasn't, you know I mean? Young guys. Uh, but, you know, going there, I think, you know, kind of helped the younger guys kind of push through some stuff. Because, you know, I, I did a lot of camaraderie stuff that, you know, I don't think that they were doing ever. Hmm. You know what I mean? I'd make sure the guys, come on, let's go to the mall. Let's walk around and go to the mall. Let's go to dinner. Let's go hang out for a little bit. Let's do this and that. And, you know, I kind of took, when I went there, I kind of took the leader, the older veteran, you know, Vladi Divak role going there. And, uh-huh. you know, it was never, oh, I need my points. I need my points. I just went out there play played whenever you need me. Uh, I remember Jamal Crawford saying, upset that he wasn't starting. And I'm like, Jamal, they got it. They have to start me. I played, I'm playing 20 minutes. You playing more, you playing about 30, 35, and you're finishing the game. And you're getting six men in the year three times, you know. What I mean, just keep doing that, and you know, I think you're probably realize, like, okay, okay, you're right, you're right. So, I mean, just a little stuff like that, helping those guys kind of, you know, get through that. I mean, the first I went there for half a year, but I think we we're like 38 and maybe 44. My first year to the third to the third year I was there, 53 and 29. Hmm. Um, just changed everything around. You know, the guys got older and. You know, kind of, uh, I could shoot the ball, but I would get the ball to Joe Johnson, to Josh yeah. Smith, to Al Horford, Marvin Williams. I mean, Josh just going all the way down the line. And, you know, I, I it was a lot of mismatches on the court. Because, you know, like I said, I was setting good screens on Joe's guy. And remember, mm-hmm. Joe's guy is about six, eight, So my guy never wanted to be on Joe because he's so damn strong and, and tall and can score at will. So it was never a switch. So if I set a screen on him my guy really didn't want to help. So he had a lot of things. If my guy had to help, I'd always be wide open. So, I mean, just the just the stuff that we played off each other kind of reminisce myself of, you know, Sacramento a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, things started to get better better as time went on.
1: So, what was that like seeing those young stars, playing with those young stars? Obviously, Jamal Crawford emerging as a six-man. Uh, but, like, Joe Johnson, one of my favorite wings, and also you know, Josh Smith.
0: I mean, just throw the ball. You can throw the ball. You can go on the highlight tapes and look at how many lobs you throw. Um, smooth the lobs from half court, three quarter court. Just throw it up by the rim. He'll go get it. Mm-hmm. You know, and playing with playing with Joe. You know, he, he caused a lot of attention and. uh they would rather have me shoot the ball than Joe. So, you know, a lot of times it was a double team or stuff like that and, and left the other guys open to make plays. So, I mean, we we complemented each other a lot. You know, Al Horford got a knockdown shot, played mm-hmm. his back to the basket. Marvin Slasher, I mean, he could shoot threes. So, I mean, we complement each other real well, and I think that's what kind of put, took us to that next level.
1: Hey, man, it was fun to watch. I love that squad. I used to play with that squad, NBA (laughs) 2K. That was fun, man. It was fun. Absolutely. So uh, I I skipped over something, and I got to ask you about that run with the Kings. You know, it was an 0-2. You guys matched up against the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals, and the Robert Horry shot happened.
0: It it was more than that. It was more than Robert Horry shot. (laughs) uh, That year, we were a better team we were the best team in the league that year. I know that for a fact. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in LA, you know, a lot of movie premieres and stuff like that, talking trash to all, the, you know, the, you know, all the celebrities talking trash. And, uh, it was just unfortunate that we lost that, um, that series. You know, I think, like I said, I think we were a better team. We played together better. You know, they had two, I think they had two of the top five players in the, to ever play the game and Shaq and Kobe. Um, uh, but, you know, we overcame that. I think we overcame that. And It would have been trouble for the league. Not trouble, but I think it would have been hard time for people accepting that, you know, the Lakers got beat.
1: Mm. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that, man. And I can't lie, you know, being from L.A. <laughs> and having the, the Kings ties with my guys, that was a tough one for me to watch. But, man, yeah. that series was incredible.
0: It was fun. I mean, it was like, you know, you get the people talking. you playing in front of all the people that you watch movies, that you watch the, you watch their movies. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just good to just be entertaining those people like they've entertained me all these years.
1: Absolutely. All right, so you had a couple of teams you also played for. You played for the Knicks from there, or did you go to Miami? No, I went
0: to – I got traded to the Wizards.
1: See? The <laughs> Wizards.
0: I don't even remember that. <laughs> yeah, because it wasn't that long. It was about – it was about two games in like 26 minutes total. <laughs> it wasn't that long. So I, I let I got I left my contract to go play with the Miami Heat for mm. that year, for the rest of the season. Um play, we lost the Dallas in Championship. Mm. Um, it was just being it was a good situation to see, you know, like I said, play with you know probably two of the top ten. Players, you know, Dwayne Wade and LeBron James play with those guys and being in that in that situation, I, I could play, say I played with those guys. And Chris Bosh as well, too. And, you know, top-notch organization, uh, beautiful city, great fans. Uh, it was just – I just wasn't a fit there, you know. I, I don't think I fit in there. Mm. And, you know, I, I was done after that. Mike Woodson gives me a call the following year. Like he was assistant for the Knicks. Like, hey, Mike, come play one more year. I was like, nah, coach, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I had enough. And, You know, I ended up going to play there, but it was a, like I said, it was a different stage in my career, and I was okay with playing spot minutes, not starting. Um, if you need me, then I use me. If you don't, don't. You know, I'm not going to sit over here and be one of those guys that give you a hard time. And mm-hmm. like I said, make the best of best of every situation I'm in. And I didn't you No, know, I, I told Mike Wilson. I said, hey, if, if he's like, I might need you tonight. I said, well, if you need me, you need me. But remember, I worked out already this morning. So if you don't, I'm OK. Don't don't feel like you have to put me in, <laughs> you know. And so I ended up I forget how many games I ended up playing that season. Um, I think we won the first game in the playoffs since. The Larry Johnson, Patrick Ewing, Starks, child oh, wow. of that era. So, wow. So it was the first game that they won in the playoffs since then. So it was good to be a part of that. Um, Knicks organization is, you know, I mean, everybody wants to play in New York. And for to be a part of that situation, my dad played for the team. And just to be a part of that, the funny thing, I have a story because I don't like, I'm a big believer in if you are a top-notch player in that organization, Trainer shouldn't let your let anybody wear your number or the the guy you know what i mean and i went there and 10 was retired i didn't i didn't want to wear zero again um i didn't want to wear double zero i wore double zero in washington right i didn't want to wear zero because gilbert wore it you know like i said I, i respect the guys that wore these numbers and i went to new york i didn't want to wear zero again so i'm asking my son like what should I wear? He's like, I don't know. So I end up wearing, I just put 10 and 10 together and was going to wear 20. And then I'm walking around the thing and I see Allen Houston. I'm like, shit. <laughs> I said, I said, Al, I'm sorry. I never meant, I never meant to disrespect your number like that. And I tried to change it and the NBA wouldn't let me. It was too late. Uh-huh. So I, I, I just, I just respect the guys that wear that uniform even if it isn't retired, I respect going into that place and not wear that.
1: And, and a team like that, man, a franchise like that, there's too many guys that came out getting buckets, yeah. so there's yeah, not I many numbers you. available.
0: <laughs> I know. I mean, uh, Frazier wore 10. Um, uh, Tim Hardaway wore 10 in Miami. Uh, what's the guy's name in Washington? I'm forgetting See Luke? No, no in, in Washington. The Wizards, it, it's retired. Um,
1: dang. Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember.
0: But ten is retired everywhere. I'm waiting really? for it to get. Re- I'm waiting for it to get retired in the sack.
1: Hey, is that is that on deck? Is that coming up? <laughs> I, no, I don't
0: think so. I don't know. I don't know what's going on over there. Can know. we get that done? <laughs> I would love for it to happen. Been trying for a long time. and love for it to happen, but. I mean, like ten's gone everywhere—Chicago, um, mm. New York, Miami. I mean, it's gone everywhere. Ten was a big-time number.
1: Hey, point guards better get that number ten. Yeah, <laughs> Some people putting in work in number ten yeah, <laughs> over the years. Yes, sir. So, so, you know, this is buckets and breakdowns, man. Uh, you know, we we'll talk about a couple things. Is there anything that you see in the game right now that you wish you could have imp- implemented in your game? Any kind of move?
0: Um. No, i wasn't really i wasn't really big on any moves you know what i mean mm-hmm. a lot of guys you see a lot of guys working out today with cones and doing this and that i i shot shots i did one dribble pull-ups i did two dribble pull-ups transition threes that's all i worked on and you know what i mean like i said I, I didn't try to do anything out of ordinary when i got out there i would just play the way i played i never really did any ball handling skills um stuff like that i just when I went in the game, I, I I played in the game how I practiced. You know, mm-hmm. there wasn't that many. It was a lot of catch and shoot, um, handoff shoot, one dribble pull-ups, two dribble pull-ups, and that's, that's what I really – that's all I worked on.
1: Mm-hmm. See, that's what people need to know. Players need to know. You got to know your game and where your game fits in in the system, and you have it's, to master the system.
0: It's a simple game. Like, the, everybody's making the game too hard. The game's not hard. Mm-hmm. make it hard, you know
1: right right you just got to get reps man you got to yeah, put the work in take care of your body yeah know yeah, your it's, reps it's
0: easy go out there don't try to do too much make the right play and things will fall into place
1: right 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 so as as a fan of, of the nba now and different things like that um what it, what what kind of moves do you see? Like, do you enjoy seeing like a signature type of thing? You got James Harden does a step back. You got the side step Lillard. I I
0: can't get I can't I can't get his step to step that step back down. I tried like it doesn't. I mean like I can't do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I got the old school step back, one dribble in and pull back. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I, I mean I just I mean I like there's certain guys I like watching and and just and playing and. Play the right way, and like I see a shot, like ooh, that's a good shot, you know, like ooh, good move, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. I will watch it here and, and stuff like that, but um, I mean, that, that's about it, really. You know, what I mean, like mm-hmm. I said, just want to help. You know, I mean, it, like it, it, like it's it's too it's too hard,
1: right, too right, hard. The so it's
0: not that hard.
1: So would you say you would use more of a floater than a euro step?
0: I know I don't think I even ever use a euro still. <laughs> I don't think I have especially like I used to I used to I used to jump off my left then land on my left again and go right I mean I think they took that out they call that a travel now I think but a lot of guys oh really hop. I forget I mean I'll show you when I see you times but hop boom hop again boom and then jump off your right other foot so that's what the move I used to do
1: oh uh, yeah we got to pull that clip up. Yeah, gotta you gotta know, find
0: that. I'll, I'll try to get you one too, and so, but I'll, I'll show you when I see you. But it's a lot different than it was, um than it is now.
1: So you know, we crossed paths the past few years in the Big Three. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to see more of Mike Bibby basketball for a few years. How how much fun was it to play in the league like the Big Three and? Uh, be able to show your talents and, and, and still show what you love to do as a player.
0: It, it was great. You know, what I mean, no one really expected it to be as big as it got. And I think a lot of guys came in um thinking it was going to be easy. You know, what I mean, and once they seen that some people were getting embarrassed out there, you could tell people some people went home after that first week and started working on their game
1: mm-hmm. and
0: with me. I mean, it was. I love, I mean it was a great situation for being out there in front of the fans with Ice Cube. I've watched Ice Cube since I was in fucking like, sixth, fifth, sixth grade. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Watching all that stuff and listening to the music and stuff like that. So when he called me, it was a no-brainer. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Me, we're trying to do this, I'm in. You ain't me gotta tell me nothing else. I'm in. You know, when you get that call from Cube, you can't oh, yeah. it, you can't turn that down. Absolutely Hello?
1: not. <laughs> so
0: uh with being being like that, I just think it I just figured it was time for me to, to to I didn't have the the heart the drive to gear up for it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Cause I was I was in there working my ass off trying to get ready for it the same way I used to used to play get ready for the NBA. And exactly. so at my age, I was like, after the second year, third year, I was like, man, I can't do it. I can't, I can't play no more. I, I don't want to I can still play, but I don't want to have to gear up for it. You know, and I just figured, I, you know, I figured it was time to go into the coaching and, and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's great to be a part of the big three students, still, still see all those guys, see all the fans and uh, just be a part of that situation. I mean, it, it's it's a great situation.
1: Absolutely. man. I love to see it, man. Seeing these guys compete again is awesome. And, and it's getting younger and it's getting more competitive. And it's yes. also great to see you around there, too. So I love, I love being
0: it. there, man. I
1: love it. Love you yes, guys. Sir.
0: Um, people that work there you know you make friendships throughout the year like i said friendships with you friendships with um with the people who were tattooed, all these people you make friendships with you know it's it's that's what it's about it's absolutely about being a likable person and being able to put a smile on somebody's face when they see you give a hug to somebody and stuff like that that's all that really matters
1: absolutely last question i'm gonna ask you man buckets and breakdowns it's the coldest go-to move of all time. You got two options: the fadeaway or the sky hook.
0: I was about—I was just about to give you those two. I thought you were asking me.
1: Yeah. I'll
0: tell you those two. <laughs> but uh, I think i will have to give it to MJ fadeaway. Because mm. I mean, Kareem's the only one that really used that shot. So I mean, he perfected it and he probably made it up. But uh, I'd have to say the fadeaway.
1: Hey, there you have it. Well, Mike, I really appreciate you taking time to talk buckets and breaking it all down. Your career, your path, your work ethic, all your accolades, accomplishments, uh, different things that the next generation can learn from. And also your journey going forward uh, as a coach and continuing to impact lives and develop players. Man, I know you'll be on the sideline real soon. Thank so. you. I
0: appreciate it. Thank you for having me on Thomas too. I appreciate
1: it, man. We love you. We love you, Bib. So thank yeah, I you,
0: appreciate it, man. Thank you. And, you ever anything, let me know
1: like for sure. Kind. Is there any way that you want uh, your fans and, and people where they can connect with you or, um, uh, no, but
0: just, I mean, they find my Instagram, you know, Mike, Bibby 10. I don't know if I own it. I'm like, I said, I'm old school. I grew up with Pager, So <laughs> you, you, you could probably put my name in it. And it will come up, but, um, <laughs> I think there's a lot of fake accounts out there, whatever. Just Mike maybe 10, I guess. (laughs) All right, man. (laughs) You know, I like to mind my business, Thomas. I don't don't get nobody's business. I like to mind my own.
1: Hey, and that's all right. Nothing wrong with that, man. But once again, (laughs) thank you for your time joining me on Buckets and Breakdowns. We appreciate you. Thank you for uh, having me, I'll see you soon. Yes, sir. See you
0: this weekend. Thank you.